Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith-building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump in to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. Today on the podcast, we are looking at an important question in our world today, As we see troubles increasing, will your faith be shaken? Will your faith be shaken? Before we jump into this message, let's have a quick word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your blessings and for this opportunity to seek you in a time of trouble in this world. We pray, Lord, that you would guide us and draw us nearer to you by your sweet spirit. For this we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at the world around us, we see a lot of things going on, a lot of troubles happening today, things that are frankly scaring a lot of people in the world. And Jesus told us that men's hearts would even be failing them for the troubles coming upon the world. And we're seeing this as we look around, a lot of problems, a lot of sorrows. We hear about the wars and rumors of wars. People are wondering, is the conflict in Ukraine going to lead us to World War III? Will there be other conflicts that will take place surrounding this? And what about COVID, vaccinations, health passports, like the Smart Health Pass system that has been recently adopted by many hospitals? This uh, idea of a digital vaccine passport, is it going to restrict our travel to only those to comply with a system that is oppressive? Well, These are some of the questions on people's minds. Also, people wonder, what about a new superbug? Will there be anything else besides this COVID that we have been seeing for the last couple years? Will other diseases or pestilences arise? Certainly, Jesus talks about many pestilences arising. We also have fears about famine, and Jesus told us that we could expect to see famine sweeping the world in the last days. And, of course, we see the food shortages happening, prices going up. Ukraine happens to be the breadbasket of the world, pretty much the number one wheat producer supporting most of the countries in Europe with wheat and also other countries such as Egypt. So we see a lot of countries who are already feeling trouble and feeling difficult times because The farmers in Ukraine have been run out by the conflict, by the military conflict that's going on. How can they possibly get their crops into the ground? So again, prices are going up, and many are worried about the economy. What will happen because of the massive sanctions that are placed on Russia? We see gas prices going up. We see that perhaps the currency of the world... Uh, might be changing in some ways. Russia is asking for other kinds of payments for their fuel than what is, uh, you know, what, what was being used. The U.S. dollar was being used before, and so now they're asking for ruples. Now they're asking for gold and other ways of trading. So how will this affect world trade? We also see digital currencies greatly on the rise. I was reading an article recently from the Epic Times on March 31, 2022, 
And in this article, they were discussing how these world currencies, digital currencies for the world, are actually on the rise right now. Notice this statement. The IMF, that's International Monetary Fund, the IMF deputy director said that the conflict that is in Russia is spurring the adoption of an international digital finance system utilizing cryptocurrencies and central banking currencies. So we see this, this move for digital currencies that, is, that are taking place. How will things shift in the world? And is this good or bad? Of course, it's going to be convenient for the people of the world, but what about how this will set the stage for the mark of the beast described in the book of Revelation chapter 13? How will sanctions like we see today be used to control God's own people who want to be faithful to him? We definitely will see economic sanctions being used against God's people, and currencies can be easily shut down, especially these digital currencies. Notice Revelation 13 and verse 16, And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Revelation 13 describes a very oppressive world when all the powers of the world have drawn together in rebellion against God, his commandments, his truth, and his people. These are the serious threats that we see in the book of Revelation towards God's people in the very last days, right before Jesus comes back again. And so we want to be mindful of what's coming. We know that it will be troublesome for God's people to buy or sell. There will be a shutdown of their accounts. There will be economic sanctions. And so we find a lot of trouble. And with all these things coming into the world, these troubles, both certainties and uncertainties, where do we place our faith? Where do we place our hope? Will our anchor hold through the times of trouble. Our faith is essential. We need to invest time in God, time in our faith. We need to know for sure that we have a walk with Jesus Christ. In troubled times, where can we find our peace? Our peace is found only through Jesus Christ. And so we want to prioritize that faith with Christ. And I want to share with you here a statement from a 19th century Christian author who wrote with great wisdom and foresight, even prophetic foresight, commenting upon the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. And this is what this author wrote. This is written in 1883 in a letter. It says, Brethren, we are far behind in our missionary work, both at home and in foreign countries. We are a people who claim to believe solemn and sacred truth, and our works in proclaiming the truth should correspond to our profession. After all, if we believe a great truth, a great message from God, we should be very active in sharing it. Our works should correspond to our faith, to our profession. 
The statement continues, Great trouble will soon arise among the nations, which will not cease until Jesus comes. The world is becoming more and more lawless. The churches are united in their efforts to restrict religious liberty. Notice that. Not only the world, but the churches are united in their effort to restrict religious liberty. Oh, yes. Trouble is coming, not only in the world, but in the church and in the churches. Trouble is coming. And we're told here that great trouble will soon arise that will not cease until Jesus comes. This trouble in the world, we are seeing it today. We saw in the 1900s the outbreak of World War I, World War II. We saw the Korean War, and we saw a number of other wars like Desert Storm and so forth. Many, many conflicts in the world throughout the 1900s and uh, going into the 2000s. Here we see incredible conflicts breaking out in the world, and we see trouble. Great, great trouble is happening in our world today. This trouble will not cease until the Lord Jesus comes. The trend has already spoken loudly for what is going on. But I think we have to also consider here the serious nature of churches getting involved in restricting religious liberty. Yeah, you would think that 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 shouldn't happen, that a church is going to be 100% for religious liberty, and yet they want a certain brand of religion to be popular. They want their own brand to be popular. So, we are told through biblical prophecy and through this Christian author that religious liberty will be restricted by even churches, that they will jump on board to promote their brand of, of faith, but not necessarily the biblical teachings. That is something we find in the book of Revelation, something that we should all be concerned about. So what are we as a people doing in this crisis? The statement continues. Are we purifying our souls by obedience to Christ's words? Those are important thoughts for us today. We want to be obedient to Christ, to have our souls purified by the grace of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus at work in our lives, that we are drawing near to God and growing in our faith experience with God. With all this trouble, we must ask the question, will your faith be shaken? Will my faith, will your faith be shaken? And it's a question that we must ask in all humility and even trepidation. Will our faith be shaken? This is a question that, of course, Jesus mentioned to Peter many years ago. Jesus had a conversation with Peter, and he said, Peter, you will deny me three times this very night. And he didn't believe it. Peter did not believe it. He said, no, Lord, I'll go even to death with you. And yet, Jesus was absolutely right. Peter denied him three times that very evening. So, we oftentimes don't know our own heart, but God knows our heart. And Jesus said, I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail. Even though you'll face trial, even though you'll have a momentary failure or stumble, yet I am praying that your faith will not fail. And the Bible tells us that 
that Peter repented of his words when he denied Christ. Peter went out and wept bitterly, and he repented of this, um, you know, this failure on his part to hold on to the faith of Jesus. And eventually, Peter even went to death for Jesus and for the cause of Christ. Peter died because he was proclaiming the truth as it is in Jesus. If persecution like that happened in the first century, and it happened all throughout history, don't you think it will also happen in the last days that persecution will arise towards those who speak the truth as it is in Jesus? And notice in the times of Jesus, it was not only persecution from the world, although that was definitely there and happening, but persecution also came from the religious leaders of their time, from the church of their time where they had denied the truth as it is in Jesus. They had denied God's call to righteousness and were depending on their own righteousness. We are going to have these very kinds of troubles in the last days. The Bible is very clear about that. And so we have to pray. We have to seek God. As we ask this question, we need to be praying, Lord God, may it not be so in my life. Let me not lose the faith. Lord, may our faith stand strong by the grace of Jesus Christ. This is so true. I'm sure many of us have heard the saying, but for the grace of God, there go I. This is true. We do not want to be trusting in self, depending on on ourselves, but we want to be trusting in God and depending upon God. And in times like these, times of trouble, you can be sure that your faith will be tested. Our faith will be tested. But we need the strength of Jesus to overcome, to live through it all, to thrive through the times of difficulty in this world. We need the faith of Christ. Jesus warns us of the dangers and he questions whether when he comes, he will find faith on the earth. We see in Luke 18 and verse 8 the words of Jesus, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? This is the question of Jesus for our time, our day, for our generation. For you and for me, shall he find faith on the earth when he comes? We do not want our faith to fail. We want to have the faith of Jesus Christ and to be living for him, keeping his commandments, being faithful in the last days. And so Jesus is looking for a people who will truly follow him. Yes, troubles in the world are rising and troubles in the churches are rising. We can be certain of these things. Uh, whether it's famine or wars or pestilence, whatever it is, restriction of religious liberty, uh, trouble with money, whatever it is, we need to have trust and faith in God. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and we do not want our faith to be shaken. All of this will happen before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Malachi 4.5 mentions the great and dreadful day of the Lord when God comes to set things straight. It will be a bad place if you are found on the wrong side, if you are found on the side of the enemy. The Bible talks 
in Revelation 6 about those who cry for the rocks to fall on them, uh, to hide them from the face of Jesus. The question is asked in Revelation 16, no, Revelation 6 and verse 17, who shall be able to stand? Who shall be able to stand? For the great day of his wrath is come. That is the question. Who shall be able to stand? It is those who have the genuine faith of Jesus Christ. Today, we need the genuine faith of Jesus Christ. We cannot be half-hearted Christians. We cannot be worldly and watered-down Christians. We need to be people who live by the Bible, who live by a thus saith the Lord for everything that we do. Absolutely, that needs to be our experience in Christ. Have you ever wondered about the Bible? What does it really mean? While some things are simple to understand, other things are not as easy. Questions like, how will Jesus come? What will the end of the world really be like? What happens when we die? And is there really a hellfire where the devil roasts people for endless ages? How can I find personal peace in my life? And if God is love, why is the world so evil? These are very important questions, and the Bible has clear answers to all of those questions. To begin your Bible study journey, please visit woosda.com. That's W-O-O-S-D-A.com. So even in the church, we will see great troubles. We will see a perplexing lack of love and godly resolve. Even with all the troubles in the world going on, when you look at the church and you see this watered-down experience and this lack of faith, and you see a lack of love, and you see, um, you know, you see all these things going on. It just makes you wonder, how? How can it be? Well, Jesus tells us it will be this way. And so, when we see troubles in the church, does that mean that, that we need to give up our faith too, because others are giving it up? Does that mean that we should leave the church, because the church has problems? Well, guess what? People in this world will have problems, and churches will have problems because people have problems. So, yes, there will be troubles in the church, Jesus says. And does he just say that we should leave the body of Christ, the church, because there are problems in the church? Should we leave? No, definitely not. Jesus tells us that we need to stick with him. It is the unsurrendered, the unconsecrated hearts that eventually will be shaken out by the times of persecution and trial that will come upon God's people. The faithful are to remain in the church. The faithful are to remain with Jesus. And we need to trust God to take care of the problems and the inconsistencies that we see around us. God does not want the faithful to be shaken out of his church. He wants us to hold on. And so we ask the question, where is our faith today? Will it hold in the time of storm and trial, or will it be shaken? It's like the words of that hymn, will your anchor hold? Well, our anchor will hold if it's anchored in Christ Jesus, and that's exactly what we want. You know, the church is the repository 
of the grace of Jesus Christ. That means that he fills the church with his grace. He blesses the church because this is the body of Christ, and God has called us to be an active part of his body, the church. The blessing of Jesus is there even though evil lurks around us. Evil lurks in the midst of the believers. And so God calls us to be those believers who stand up for the truth of heaven, who stand up for the love of God, who stand up to receive the righteousness of Christ and to live for him each day. God calls us to be those people in his church. We are not to give up on the body of Christ. We are not to give up our faith. We must hold on. Even if we see troubles coming in, we are not to give up on God's church, his people, or his message. We are to carry on in Jesus, and we are to strive in him, clinging to the faith which was once given to the saints. God wants us to hold on to that faith, the faith of Jesus and his commandments. As Revelation 14, 12 tells us that here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. We want to be those saints, those believers, those holy ones who have patience, who can patiently wait through the trials because we have the faith of Jesus and we keep God's commandments. The Lord is calling us to be those people in his church today. Jesus taught us in the Gospels that there would be tares growing out there in the wheat field. He says that an enemy has done this. There will be tares, there will be weeds growing up in the wheat field, and they will both grow together until the time of harvest. Jesus says, don't go separating them. No, keep them together. And at the time of harvest, God will make the separation between the wheat and the tares. Jesus also tells us that the gospel net will gather many fish from a great sea, good fish and bad fish. And when the net is drawn in, the great fishermen will separate the good from the bad. So we know that there will be troubles in the churches. We know that there will be evil going on. Uh, Some people who are not living up to the faith of Christ, although they profess the faith of Christ. And God wants us to be the wheat and not the tares. God wants us to be the good fish and not the bad ones. And so we are called to be there, to be an influence for the kingdom of God in the church. In spite of the troubles, in spite of the problems, we are called to stand true for Jesus in the time of trouble. We are called to stand true for Jesus as members of his church in the last days. The body of Christ. Be an active part of the body of Christ. This is what God calls us to do. Notice the church in the days of Jesus, the Jewish believers, the synagogues. They had troubles. They had a lot of problems. They had false doctrines going around. There were many things that were troubling people. Now, they had the faith of the scriptures, and that's what people were to rely on, the faith of the Bible, the scriptures. But yet, many people were circulating false ideas, false notions, and a corrupt religious experience. And yet, Jesus was raised in the church. Jesus and his parents attended the place of worship. We find in Luke 4 and verse 16 that Jesus was going into the synagogue 
on the Sabbath days, and he would stand up and read. He would partake in the service. He would read scriptures for the people. And this was his regular custom, his regular practice. Jesus went even though there were troubles in the church. Jesus was an active part of his local church. We also find that in the days of Isaiah the prophet, in the days of Jeremiah, these men were part of God's church. And yet there was corruption all around. They did not go and leave the church. They said, no, this is our church. This is God's church and we're not going anywhere. But we're going to call people to repent of their sins. We are going to speak for the truth. And in the end, it was the unrighteous who were shaken out, not the righteous. Look what happened in the days when Babylon attacked and destroyed Jerusalem for their sins. God protected the righteous, but the wicked got what was coming to them. So hold on, my dear friend, hold on to the faith of Jesus Christ. Be an active part in the church of Jesus Christ. Though you see troubles coming in on this side or that side, though you see a, corru a corruption, though you see apostasy, hold on to the faith of Jesus Christ and hold on to the church of the Lord. Be an active part of his church. So when faced with inconsistencies and troubles, trust it into the hands of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible warns us about this concerning the last days and particularly the church. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Are we living in the last days? Yes, we definitely are. The Bible promises that perilous times shall come. Notice how the scripture continues in verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, hating people who are good just because they want to follow God, just because they want to do what's right. And they'll be despised for that. Notice verse 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded, so very proud and backstabbing, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They'll prioritize other things over the spiritual meeting. They'll prioritize other things over connecting with God. They love pleasures more than God. Notice this, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And this part is kind of scary if you think about it, because we look at all those sins and we say, yes, yep, that's right. That's the world. That's what we see. But you know what's scary? This is not only the world. This is the church. This is the world in the church. This is sin coming into the church. This is corruption coming into the church. That's why we're living in perilous times, because there's a lot of sin everywhere. But that doesn't mean that we should give up our faith. That doesn't mean that we should, should abandon Christ and his mission. That doesn't mean that we should withdraw from the body of Christ. God has called us to be a light and a witness to the truth, and God will handle the shaking out 
of those who are not faithful to his word. Here the Bible says that these have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They have a form of godliness. They say, yeah, we believe in Jesus. We're coming to church. We're doing these things. And there's a form of godliness, but they deny the power of the Lord Jesus to deliver them from their sins. And instead of embracing Jesus and his righteousness, they embrace the sins of the world and they drag it into the church. Now tell me that's not dangerous. That is dangerous. That's why the Bible says these are perilous times in which we are living. Very perilous times. So how are we to deal with this? Well, the Bible talks about turning away from some. It says from such turn away. But does that mean that we are to abandon God's church because some bad guys got in and they're there in the church? Does that mean we are to abandon God's mission? No, we are not to abandon God's mission. But think about this. Think about how Jesus worked with people. Jesus associated with those especially whose hearts were open to God. Jesus gathered around him his disciples and their hearts, their minds, their ears were open. Now, were they perfect or did they have problems too? Well, the disciples had problems too. They were bickering proudly about who would be the greatest. Um, they were misunderstanding how to share the gospel. They sent mothers and their children away from Jesus, and Jesus says, no, let the children come to me. He had to correct their misunderstanding. They believed that Messiah was going to take over the Roman world, and they had this notion of false prophecy. Jesus still was with them, and he taught them, and he worked with them. Jesus did not abandon them. Jesus did not withdraw and say, well, I'm not going to be a part of this because you guys are too messed up. Jesus said, look, I'm going to help you. I'm trying to help you. And so Jesus spent time with his disciples. And the key ingredient was that they had a heart that was open to change. And Jesus looked for that. He associated with people who genuinely wanted to follow God, even though they didn't have everything together. You know, if we look at our lives today, I bet we can say that we, we probably don't have everything together either. We probably need to do some more studying and learn the truth more clearly from the Bible. We need to have a deeper experience with God and be transformed by his grace. So we do not abandon the church and the believers who are in need of the help and grace that Jesus can give. There is a mutual benefit that we are to experience from each other in the church. Yes, our faith will be tested and tried. Yes, we will be put to challenges, but by God's grace, we must be victorious. Draw near to those who are of a like mind to follow Christ and don't abandon the church. Don't jump ship because God has his church, his body there for a reason. God wants us to be a part of, of a body of believers who believe the truth for these times and are seeking him. And yes, there will be troubles, but let's be an influence for good. And in the end, God will straighten everything, el uh, everything out. Find a pocket of believers who you can really connect with who will be a strength to you. And together, work for the cause of God. Together, work to encourage the church and the believers there 
You and I don't always recognize the wheat from the tares. We might be tempted to say, oh, that person must be a tare. Well, we don't know that because God is still working on their hearts. And though they might have challenges and problems, they may yet surrender all to Jesus if only they had the love and the influence of somebody who really cared about them and who follows and is seeking to follow the way of Jesus. So we want to be those who are truly helping others, who are truly helping those in need. Um, but if people are ultimately rejecting the truth and there is no listening, uh, don't, don't spend your time. Don't spend all your time with them if they're not open, if they're not ready. That's why the Bible says there in verse 5, from such turn away. If they are fighting against you and the truth and hating it and they don't want to hear it, don't, don't go spending your time uh, there. Yes, you can help occasionally, do what you can do, but pull together with those who really believe in the Lord Jesus and want to grow in Christ and encourage people to grow. Just do your best. But remember to pull together next to you those who are of a like-minded faith and, and continue growing from there. Might not be perfect, okay? Jesus, Jesus did not see eye to eye with his disciples on everything. They did not all have the same mind, but they were, they were a work in progress. They were growing. So let's have hope today in these times of trouble that are not only in the world, but even in the church. God calls us to a, a three-way holy influence, a threefold holy influence. And I want to read to you a passage, a short passage from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 to 25. This is what it says. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching." This is a very powerful passage. The Bible is calling us to draw near to God, draw near to him with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And the Bible says that our hearts need to be sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. God is doing a cleansing work in our lives. Let's embrace that. Let God do that purifying, sanctifying work in our hearts and minds. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Do not give up your profession. Do not give up your beliefs, your faith. As long as they are biblical, as long as they are true, hold on to them. Hold on to Jesus and hold on to whatever Jesus teaches us from the word of God. Hold on to the faith. Do not waver. And the Bible says that he is faithful that promised Trust in God's promises. Trust in God's power, not in our weakness. Have faith in Christ. And then it says, verse 24, let us consider one another, not just ourselves. It would be kind of selfish if we're only thinking about ourselves. The Bible says here to, to consider each other's well-being, to consider encouraging each other in the faith. We need encouragement, and other people need encouragement. So God is calling us to this experience. It says there that we should 
remember one another, consider one another, to provoke unto love and to good works, to encourage people to love, to greater Christian love, and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Does God want us to forsake the assembling with other believers, to live just for ourselves according to our own beliefs and principles? No, the Bible says that we need the refining influence of each other, that we need God and we need each other. We need to encourage others and they need to encourage us to help us. So we need this relationship with each other in the last days. It is a sanctifying influence. It is an influence that that leads us upward, encouraging each other in Christ. And the Bible says here, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, we see the day of Christ coming, approaching. The troubles in the world are very clear that the day of Christ is coming, that it's at hand. And we need to be encouraging each other more and more, gathering together, meeting together, assembling ourselves for prayer, for study of scripture, for missionary work. We need to get together as the believers and encourage to that holier walk with Christ. This is absolutely essential in times like these. So God is calling us to keep the faith. God is calling us to get ready for his coming. I hope that we can recognize that the Lord is coming soon and we need to be ready. We need to be together encouraging each other in the faith of Jesus Christ. If you've ever played with hot coals from a fire, you might know a lesson or two about this. Coals burn the hottest when they are placed together, when you push them together. When you pull them apart, the flame starts to go out and the hotness or the heat starts to dissipate more. But when you push those coals together, heat begets heat. The heat from one encourages the heat in the other, and together they spark a flame. The extra heat produces fire. When you push those coals together, you get fire, and fire can be a great thing, especially when you need it, and especially holy fire. Fire can light the darkness and dispel the coldness. There will be coldness in the world and coldness in the churches, but we need fire, holy fire, to dispel that coldness and that darkness. Only the light of truth, when believers pull together and mutually encourage each other's faith, only the light of truth can dispel that darkness and coldness around us. So let us pray that it will be so. Let us pray and remember what the Bible says, that both will grow together until the end of time, the wheat and the tares. And so we want to encourage each other. We want to look for pockets of faith and encouragement for believers who we can draw near to to pray together, who are both seeking that greater experience in Christ. You know, the shaking is real in these last days. In Matthew 24, as Jesus pointed out the troubles in the world, he also pointed out the troubles in the church. Matthew 24 and verses 9 through 13, it says this, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Hated for the faith of Christ. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. 
and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So people are going to be offended in the church. People are going to betray one another in the church. That's not just out in the world. Jesus is talking about the believers here. He says, you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. He's talking to the believers that we'll be hated of the nations of the world because we're withdrawing from the ways of the world and we're seeking Christ and sharing his good news. But it says that at this time when persecution arises, when affliction arises, that many will be offended. Many will betray one another. Many will hate one another. This will happen in churches as there is a great shaking because of events in the world and because of God's pure, true message against the counterfeit messages that are out there. Verse 11 says, Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. False messages, false teachers will be all over the place deceiving people, telling them that it's okay to remain in their sins as we await the coming of Jesus, telling them that all you have to do is believe, but somehow that belief does not translate into action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Our faith, our belief should change who we are. We should be transformed by the grace of Jesus. Day by day, we should be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God wants. But there will be a lot of false messengers out there deceiving people in the churches. Verse 12 says, And because iniquity, or lawlessness, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. It will grow cold. Have you ever experienced coldness in the church? A lack of love? It's because of the sin that is so abundant in our hearts. We need to repent of the sin. Verse 13 says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. God is calling us to be those who endure unto the end. Those who are saved, not those who are shaken out, who fall out into the wicked world, but those who endure. It is the righteous who are to stay in God's church. It is the righteous who are to uphold the truth of Christ and not go anywhere but support the body of Christ. And it is those who are compromising the faith of the saints that will be shaken out by the troubles that are coming. Let us not be shaken out with them. Let us not give up the faith, but hold on to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. This is what God is calling us to. God is calling us to get ready for his coming. And we want to be those who endure unto the end. So God is calling us to stick around. Let's pray that we would be those who remain, those who are faithful, those who hold on. We need the grace of Jesus Christ today like we have never needed it before. We are always in need of the grace of God. And yet we need to draw nearer and nearer right now in this time. So let's not be tainted by false prophets and unbiblical messages. Let's not be tainted by the sin and the violence of the world. Let's not be tainted by corruption and sin in the church. But let's draw together with believers who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be an active part of the body of Christ. Let's stand up for the faith of Jesus Christ and for the church. And let our faith be tempered by the fire of God's word. 
Let it be tempered by the fire of God's word and not tainted by the world around us. We want to have the faith of genuine believers who are striving to encourage and to be encouraged in the way of life. How about that? That we can be encouraged in the way of life and encourage others in the way of life. Be an active part of God's work in the last days of God's church, the body of Christ. Let's pray that it will be so. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time we've shared together. Please fill us with the faith of Jesus Christ and make us strong during these times of trouble and challenge in our world and the churches today. For this, Lord, we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast. Blessings and take care.